This is Paul Davy, Yield Point Specialist for Egg Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHF Egg Services, providing solutions for your success. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman along with Tyler Donaldson and Randy Conan. There's a big change happening in the sugar beet industry. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Don Wick has the story. The companies behind the Hillishog, Maribo, Sess Vanderhoff, and Seedex Sugar Beet Seed brands are entering into a joint venture. DLF Seeds, which is based in the Netherlands, owns the Hillishog and Maribo Seed companies. The Sess Vanderhoff and Seedex brands are owned by Group Florimond Dupre, headquartered in France. In a statement, the two companies cited changes happening in the sugar beet seed industry and the investment needed to rapidly develop technology and create value for farmers. The joint venture agreement is scheduled to take effect July 1st. I'm Don Wick on the Red River Farm Network. NDSU research animal scientists in, based in Carrington, North Dakota, uh, says 2023 focused on beginning new building projects that will help advance research. The North Dakota legislature approved funding for a livestock support facility and construction is underway. Also, we received some legislative funds to build kind of a smart feedlot and Carrington along with the Central Grasslands, REC and Hedinger RECs all received similar types of money to where we could expand our feedlot and smart feedlot footprint. On the building end, that's kind of what we're focusing on. We're just about ready to open the bids up on our feedlot building. We're going to be looking at a monoslope building, a steel steel building that will house hopefully up to about 100, 120, and then those cattle will be fed using smart feeder and hopefully smart water technologies. One new research project will focus on behavior of weaned calves. We'll be looking at how those animals behave when they come to the feeder, what kind of some of their preferences are, and then how pecking order gets established when we co-mingle new calves together or co-mingle or move maybe a ranch's operations calves so they'd wean calves in the fall and then maybe they'd move that whole group of calves into a pen and just see how the pecking order changes between those calves that have been around each other all their whole lives and then also calves that have been just freshly commingled with other calves from around the state. USDA has extended the comment period for its proposed exemptions for genetic changes in plants. This proposal would exempt additional plant varieties that are indistinguishable from conventional varieties and do not pose a risk. This would include a narrow subset of gene editing. USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service will take public feedback on this issue until January 19th. The latest Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer says farmer sentiment remained stable as inflation fears subside. The December barometer recorded a reading of 114. That's down just one point from November with both the index of future expectations and the index of current conditions settling down one point. Beneficial rains fell across much of northern Brazil over the weekend, with rainfall totaling one to four inches being most common. More widespread rain is expected over the next two weeks, with temperatures ranging in the 80s and 90s most days. World Weather Incorporated says much of Argentina will see a good mix of rain and sunshine over the next two weeks. That should allow field work to advance and keep soil and crop conditions favorable.
Comstock investment, invent, investments market analyst Joe Camp says traders are t taking weather premium out of the grains. The soybeans are the leader lower here. They're most closely attached to this weather storyline at the moment. We know that uh, these showers come to the relief of some of the driest areas of Brazil, including throughout Mato Grosso, where they are approaching the tail end of the soybean crop. Some uh, these rains will come to the benefit of those later planted bean fields there. It's eventually still going to become a storyline for corn as we uh, now enter the month of January. It'll be this month and into February where they normally like to plant that safrina crop, that second big crop of corn down there. AgMarket.net market analyst Jacob Burks says the cattle market is benefiting from outside money. Live cattle have been, uh, been been strong here. We're we're up three bucks here in the front month of February. We're at dollar seventy one eighty two on the last trade. You got feeder cattle that hit four dollars higher at one point too. So, uh, you know, I, I look at this as, as if you look at just the managed money, the the trading money that could be coming here, establishing new positions uh, every year. You, you got some guys that want to to balance up uh, their books here as they go into the end of the year. Uh, you know, it, it looks looks to me like you're starting to see some of the uh, the shorts and the grains uh, kind of pile up, and, and, and you're also looking at something, you know, encouraging the rally. Uh, some of this extra money could be coming into this uh, uh, building off of what we built over the last two weeks here in the livestock and the live cattle and feeder cattle. According to the monthly agricultural prices report from the National Agricultural Statistics Service, corn prices average $4.66 per bushel nationwide. That's down from $6.49 per bushel a year earlier. Soybeans averaging uh, average $13 per bushel, down a dollar per bushel from November of 2022. Spring wheat finished November with an average price of $6.85 per bushel, down from $9.24 a bushel a year ago. For livestock, the price received for beef calves was $290 per hundredweight. That's nearly $90 better than one year earlier. Butcher hogs averaged $58.10 per hundredweight, down from nearly $67 a year ago. Basis bids at the regional grain elevators, followed by the Red River Farm Network, show minor changes from two weeks ago. Spring wheat basis is unchanged, ranging from 20 to 80 cents under the March Minneapolis futures contract. Corn basis narrowed slightly, ranging from 45 to 75 cents under the March futures. Soybean basis widened slightly, ranging from 70 to 80 cents under the March futures contact. This is the Red River Farm Network. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Much of the soybean oil produced in the U.S. is still used as a food source around the world. NDSU crops economist Frayne Olson says with new demand for biofuels as renewable fuels, an old debate resurfaces. Right now, you know, not quite 50% of the soybean oil we produce goes for some kind of renewable fuels, like a biodiesel or renewable diesel. We have a little bit more, a little bit more than 50% goes to food usage. So we're still using soybean oil for, for cooking and frying and uh, making margarine and making salad dressing and all the things we currently do with soybean oil. And if we start diverting a lot of the soybean oil that's used for food right now, into an energy source, it brings back this old issue like we saw in the ethanol days. Well, you know, we're now taking a food product and we're using it for energy. That sparks the question. Can agriculture grow fast enough and be able to supply both? 
and again, hotly debated topic. And so I do think as we get from a legislative standpoint, from a political standpoint, to try and explain to our urban neighbors or the neighbors on, our, on the coast that don't really understand agriculture, they're going to ask these questions and we, have, we as agriculture have to be able to explain that to them. Weekly export sales report from USDA for the week ending December 21st showed net old and new crop corn sales at 1.24 million metric tons. That's 22% more than the previous week, but it is 12% less than the four-week average. Old and new crop soybean sales reported at 948,000 metric tons, 54% less than the previous week, 40% below the four-week average. Old and new crop wheat sales of 318,000 metric tons are 2% less than the previous week, 55% less than the four-week average. USDA's weekly export inspections report for the week ending December 28th shows corn inspections at 570,000 metric tons. That is 54% less than the previous week and 16% less than a year ago. Soybean inspections of 962,000 metric tons are down 14% from the previous week and 35% less than last previous week, but well above the same last year. For the marketing year, corn inspections are 24% ahead of last year's pace, while soybean and wheat inspections are down 19% from a year ago. As of December 21st, year-to-date grain export inspections totaled 105.5 million metric tons. That's down from 130 million metric tons one year ago. Corn export inspections are down 24%, soybeans declined 15%, and wheat is down 13%. Most of the year-to-date decline in corn inspections is due to a 64% drop in exports to China. Class 1 U.S. railroads originated 28,000 grain carloads during the week ending December 16th. That's up 13% from the previous week, 9% more than last year. Average January shuttle secondary rail car bids and offers for the week ending December 21st was $138 above tariff, $63 lower than the previous week, $1,000 lower than last year. Barged grain movement during the week ending December 23rd totaled 509,000 tons down 2.3% from the previous week, and no ocean freight rates available due to the Christmas holiday. North Dakota Stockman's Association President Jason Leeseth says their organization will continue to focus on Farm Bill in the coming year. And a lot of times for us it's maintaining the programs that we, we have and trying to tweak them and make them a little bit better. And of course, as everyone knows, that's been, been postponed and, and uh, you know, somewhere along the year we'll be restarting those negotiations, I'm sure, and and uh, making sure that our cattlemen's priorities are taken care of there. But it uh, would have been nice if they could have found their way to, to uh, rolling that through without a delay, but uh, we know things sometimes don't always come together as fast as we'd like them to in Washington. Improving livestock risk protection, livestock indemnity, pasture rangeland, and forage programs are important to North Dakota stockmen's. And those are subsidized premiums through the, the government agencies. So as those increased use, the, the budget allowance for them goes up dramatically also. And so we need to make sure that those programs are, are funded so that the people that want to use those programs can. And then the, the disaster programs, we'd sure like to think we're never going to need a disaster program, but it seems like, you know, so we'll have a need for a disaster program here because of the horrible blizzards that we have. And six months later, the South is looking for disaster programs because of the horrible heat that they have. So 
those programs will continue to be needed, so we just need to make sure that they're accomplishing the goal that they set out to. Farmers will be heading to Vietnam and Cambodia January 6th through the 19th to grow global demand for northern-grown soybeans. Northern Soy Marketing Group includes members of soybean checkoff programs from Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. The delegation will meet with feed mill executives, nutritionists, and purchasers. NSM Chair and Benson, Minnesota farmer Patrick O'Leary says the best way to build trade relationships and share their message is face-to-face. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. During the week ending December 23rd, fresh potato shipments out of the Red River Valley totaled 99,000 hundredweight. That's up more than 23% from a year ago. Nationwide, fresh potato shipments are up 15%. North American Potato Market News reports four of the top eight shipping areas posted an increase in movement. Most of that volume coming from Idaho. NDSU Extension Rangeland Management Specialist Kevin Sedovic says several cattlemen are taking advantage of less snow this season. Well, you know, th- this year is a little bit odd in that we've had a long fall. We haven't had a whole lot of snow, and most ranchers take advantage of that. So they'll, they'll graze longer into the season because it's viewed as, you know, it's a cheaper food source. We, and you still see it today. You drive around the, the country, you'll see cattle still on either pasture or they're on a hay meadow that they put up for hay, or they're on something where you got perennial grasses. The precaution on doing that is that our grasses that come up next spring are growing in the fall, and so those, we call them the, the tillers, that tiller growth in the fall becomes the first growth next spring. Overgrazing in the fall and winter can cause damage to next year's forages. And so our caution is try not to graze those pastures or hay meadows very short in the fall, or you'll pay for it in terms of lost production next year in 2024. So I'm not saying we shouldn't graze late in the season. We still do at the resource station, but we make sure that we don't graze it very short. We try to leave at least about a three to four inch stubble. That way that tiller is not being consumed or, or being grazed too short, so they don't give up production next year. And so as a producer, you're thinking, well, I can save my money in the fall. Just be careful not to graze short or you'll give up the money next year when you turn out to pasture. Chicago wheat down 22 and a half cents at 605 and a half. Kansas City down 15 and a quarter at 626 and three quarters. Soybeans, March futures down 24 cents at 1274. May soybeans down 25 and three quarters. Live cattle, February up $3.35. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.